Section 58 of Letters from Victorian Pioneers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letters from Victorian Pioneers. Letter 58. From John Hart. Melbourne, April 24, 1854. Sir, Enclosed is the account you favoured me by asking for. I have no doubt that most of its contents your Excellency will not be interested in the least about. I found it necessary to go back a long time to arrive at the dates, having none of my books and papers with me, and I have been disappointed in getting from the Custom House records at Launceston the information required on that head, in consequence of the dismissal of the officer to whom I wrote to furnish it. I regret I cannot at present go to Launceston and make the search. I have no doubt the local newspapers of the date would make mention of my early trip also. Trusting you will excuse the very imperfect manner that I complied with your request, I remain your obliged servant, John Hart. To His Excellency Governor Latrobe. In the month of November 1831, became master of the schooner Elizabeth of Launceston, owned by Mr. John Griffiths, and bound on a sealing voyage to the Northwest Islands. Early in December we landed on the Lawrence Rocks, Portland Bay, where we were joined by a boat's crew left there the year before, they having procured nearly 400 skins. Proceeding towards Kangaroo Island, anchored on the 16th in Gihen Bay, Landing on Bodine's rocks killed thirty seals, leaving one man with a supply of water and provisions, until our return. Anchored in Nepean Bay, on the 20th, and procured from the Salt Lagoon five tons of salt. Bought 150 skins, seal, and 12,000 wallaby skins from the islanders. These islanders were principally men who had left various sealing vessels when on their homeward voyage, the masters readily agreeing to an arrangement by which they secured for the next season all the skins obtained during their absence. This island life had a peculiar charm for the sailors, being supplied from the ship with flour, tea, sugar, tobacco, and a few slops, and living generally in pairs on the shore of one of the little bays. They cultivated a small garden to supply them with potatoes, onions, and a small patch of barley for their poultry. They thus led an easy, independent life, as compared with that on board ship. They obtained wives from the mainland. These attended to the wallaby snares, caught fish, and made up the boat's crew when on a sealing excursion to the neighboring rocks. At Kangaroo Island, there were some sixteen or eighteen of these men. On a certain day, once a year, they assembled from all parts of the island to meet the vessel in Nepean Bay and dispose of their skins. Getting a supply in return for the following year, the only money required being a sovereign or two for making earrings. There was another class of men, also, who probably had escaped from one demon's land. These lived generally on islands apart from the others, some on Thistle Island near Port Lincoln, and other islands in Spencer's Gulf, and there was one man who had been unvisited for three years when I saw him on this trip. 
this man lay under the suspicion of having murdered his original companions. He had two wives, whose woolly heads clearly showed their one demon's land origin. Although so long without supplies, he had every comfort about him. A convenient stone house, good garden, small wheat and barley paddocks, with pigs, goats, and poultry, made him quite independent of the vessel, except for tea and tobacco. He had collected seven thousand wallaby skins, of a kind peculiar to this island, very small, fine-furred, and beautifully mottled in color. I sold these in Sydney for the China market. Returning to Launceston in February 1832, I was first employed to take Mr. Sinclair's whaling party to Twofold Bay, and afterwards in the Sydney trade. November 3rd proceeded on a second sealing trip, landing on almost every rock between Bass Straits and Doubtful Island Bay. Returned to Launceston after a very successful trip in March 1833. My mate, Mr. Dutton, appointed the chief headsman of the first fishing in Portland Bay, employed attending on these whalers. Whales so plentiful that on my visiting the bay in June, I found all the casks full and the men putting oil into pits they had made in the clay. Out of hundred tons thus dealt with, a very small quantity was saved. I took the first cargo of oil from Portland on this occasion. Port Ferry was visited about three years before by the cutter of that name, commanded by Mr. Wishart. Mr. E. Henty made his first visit to Portland with me, returning to Launceston the same voyage. November. Fitted for my third sealing voyage, which was extended to Cape Leeuwin. On this voyage we anchored in the harbor of Middle Island, discovered close to the beach a lagoon containing fine salt in such quantities that we took on board twenty tons in three days. On this voyage also I was on the plain where Adelaide now stands, and also discovered the dangerous reef of Cape Jaffa. Returned to Launceston in March 1834. Two fisheries in Portland Bay this year. Voyage to Hokianga, New Zealand. October. Brought Griffith's party of whalers from Portland. Employment having to be found for these men during the summer, to prevent them being employed by the opposition fishing party, took a number of them on an expedition to strip bark. Left Launceston the latter end of November, having on board a team of bullocks, a dray, and some twenty men besides the crew. Entered the heats of Western Port, the beginning of December, anchored under Phillips Island, saw the place where a settlement had been, ruins of houses and workshops with broken crockery, etc. The land here was bad, and there were no wattle trees. Stood up the harbour, surprised to find the deep-water channel marked with beacons on each side. Anchored abreast of the ruins of another settlement, landed the men and team. Here were the remains of houses and gardens, grass very abundant, and the wattle trees the largest I had ever seen. Employed for a fortnight collecting bark, saw the traces of numerous cattle, shot a large white bull. Finding the bark so abundant, I loaded the schooner and proceeded to Sydney, leaving the shore party behind. Sold my cargo to a ship bound to London, and chartered the ship Andromeda to load bark in Western Port for London. 
put on board Mr. Thom, my mate, as pilot and supercargo. She arrived there in April 1835. In the meantime, I proceeded to Launceston and gave an account of my trip, first to my owner and Mr. Connolly, afterwards to a number of persons assembled in the billiard room of the Cornwall Hotel, among whom were Mr. Faulkner, Messrs. Geo and John Evans, and I think Mr. Batman. I spoke in high terms of the land and the grass, instance the sign of the mimosa trees as a proof for the one, and the condition of the wild cattle as the result for the other. When, however, the Andromeda arrived to get her clearance at the custom house at Launceston, the fame of the place was spread far and wide by the returned bark cutters. Many of these were farming men born in Van Diemen's land, and they at once saw the advantages of this beyond that of their own country. The cargo of the Andromeda was consigned to John Gore and Co. of London through Mr. Connolly and sold for about thirteen pounds per ton. I brought vast numbers of black swans, which we had pulled down while molting. The waters of Western Port were covered with these birds. In December 1835 I sailed as a passenger to London, and while there gave evidence to some of the South Australian commissioners on the subject of the coast and lands of that province, I furnished sailing directions for Colonel Light, then about to leave in the rapid. I related to Colonel Torrance the fact that the Port Lincoln natives circumcised their males in a very extraordinary manner, although the tribes around had no such custom. In September, I sailed from London to Launceston, taking with me as passengers several of the now old South Australian settlers, who, on my suggestion, went to Van Diemen's land, in the first instance, to select their stock, etc., to take with them. In November 1837, I undertook to drive a herd of cattle from Portland to Adelaide. These cattle I had originally bought from Mr. Dutton in Sydney, to be delivered in Portland. I had shipped a large number during the previous six months. The remainder, about five hundred head, I started with from Darlot's Creek. My party consisted of Mr. Pullen, who had been my chief officer, now I believe Captain Pullen R.N. of the North Star, and nine men. I arrived at Mr. S. Winter's station on the Vannon on the 3rd, and for a week was employed exploring to the westward of the Glenelg, with a view of making a direct course to Adelaide. Finding, however, no water, I determined to make the Murray by Major Mitchell's road. I had, however, greater difficulties to overcome than I expected. It was a season of extraordinary drought. Many water holes were dry, in the bottoms of which we found the large monster mussels lying putrid. I was obliged, therefore, to leave the major's road for the purpose of procuring water, his object at the season in which he passed being to avoid it. I arrived on the Mary, near Mount Hope, early in January 1838, and travelling down the stream, crossed the river about fifteen miles below the Darling. At this place, the depth of water did not exceed eighteen inches on a sandy bottom. As a nautical man, I felt great interest in this river, and saw at once that it would be navigable for a great portion of the year, possibly 
for the whole year in ordinary seasons. I observed that the cause of the shallows was the river having to cross in its course to the westward the pine sand ridges that run north and south, and therefore, when the river is full, in these places it increases its widths and brings a fresh supply of sand into its bed. No deepening, therefore, will avail here, and it appears to me the only improvement that could be made would be to narrow the channel artificially with clay or wood, the expense of which would make it impossible to be done for ages to come. Nothing struck me so much on this river as the splendid timber that grows on its banks. I never saw anything equal to it for shipbuilding purposes. I arrived in Adelaide, March the 1st, without the loss of a beast, and on the 3rd sailed to Launceston to ship the whalers for Encounter Bay. End of section 58 End of Letters from Victorian Pioneers